Hello, I'm Melanie Riding and this is the Riding Footloose podcast. These podcasts are also available in video and sometimes written format and can be found at youtube.com forward slash riding footloose or riding2nz.com. Thank you for listening and do give me some feedback. I'm always keen to hear your thoughts. Today is a slightly different uh, podcast. I thought I'd take the opportunity from the fact that I was at the breakfast update with Air New Zealand board this morning in Invercargill, which was arranged by the Southland Chamber of Commerce. Uh, So we heard from Air New Zealand's chairman, Dame Therese Walsh, about the future of Air New Zealand and what it means for the southern region and New Zealand in general. If you don't know anything about her, she is an independent director and chair of Air New Zealand. She also is a director of ASB Bank and Contact Energy and is a board member of Antarctica New Zealand and a a pro-chancellor of Victoria University. Previously, she was the head of New Zealand for the ICC Cricket World Cup in 2015 and the CEO for Rugby New Zealand 2011 She also has been chairman of TVNZ, director of various other things and Save the Children and all sorts of things. She is a fellow of the Institute of Chartered Accountants and a commerce graduate from Victoria University. She was named inaugural supreme winner of the Women of Influence Awards and was awarded a Sir Peter Blake Trust Leadership Award in 2014. She became a Dame Companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit in June 2015. This is a recording of her presentation. Sorry, I missed the beginning of it. And it also includes the Q&A at the end. Some of the people were far away. And I'm sorry in advance if you can't quite hear some of their questions. But I think you can get the gist of it from the people that answer the questions. Enjoy. Of the marketing partnership between a number of um, individuals and organisations here today. And the joint efforts that went into getting that jet Uh, service into Invercargill which has been a game changer. So that is the purpose of today. As I say, um, and I don't think this clicker, oh it is going to work now. So um, just some examples, some photos, those are at the board and the sleep pods which is part of our new innovation sort of coming through. Uh, Me trying not to spill coffee on people um, at at some engineering and maintenance centres. We're trying very, very hard to get out there and and to be part of what's going on. Now I just like to briefly, um, if you'd indulge me, uh, talk about myself for a minute, and that's just because I think it's always nice to share a bit of your yourself with people that you're speaking with, um, so that we can all understand each other a little better. Um, but before I do, I wanted to mention this envelope here that I have before me. It's a little crumpled because it's been in the back of the back of my uh, bag, but I promise it's still good to go. Um, so in this envelope, there's uh, a, a, a two, you know, a double couple, two people, uh, ticket to the Tasman, uh, anywhere in Australia, um, and or anywhere domestically, if that would be your preference. Um, so that's a lovely prize to receive for someone in this room. You can go from Invercargill to wherever you like in Australia or New Zealand um, and take a friend. Uh, now, basis for awarding this flight is. I'm going to give it to the person in the room who most enjoys my presentation. So, 
There's always one out of the blocks. There's always one out of the blocks. Um, so we'll, we'll just keep that momentum going and see how we go. I like a standing ovation, I'm just saying. Um, anyway, so we'll come back to that much later in the presentation. I'd also like to say Kira to Paddy. Paddy O'Brien in the front here. Paddy and I used to work together um, in, in the rugby days and um, uh, his son, uh, his not his son, his little brother, Jeremy, is actually um, our, uh, I always get the titles wrong, GM of Marketing, I think, um, is the right title. Ruben, I'm looking at you. Yep, good, I've got it right, thank you. Uh, and I've worked with Jeremy for quite a number of years, so good stock in the O'Brien family, so kira to you, Paddy. Um, and it's also remiss of me not to introduce um, a couple of the Air New Zealand team as well that are here with us um, supervising me to make sure I behave well. Um, so I'd like to introduce Ruben, if you'd stand up, Ruben. Uh, so Ruben is our Head of Tourism and Regional Affairs. Ruben is a rock star employee at Air New Zealand and he's an advocate for you and for, and for all the areas of, of New Zealand and spends his time travelling and you know, is really passionate about how Air New Zealand should engage uh, with various parts of the country. So thank you, Ruben. And Dwayne is somewhere here. Dwayne, Dwayne is our Head of Sales for the South Island and um, equally passionate and does a really great job for the South Island. So thank you for being here today, Dwayne. So a little bit about myself, as you know, I'm now the Chair of Air New Zealand. Um, this is uh, a slide that shows all the organisations I've worked with in, or for or, or uh, have worked with or now work with in my career. I used to say it was a game of two halves because the first half was spent in quite, um, quite sort of serious financial roles such as being a bank auditor uh, and the second half has uh, been in sport and I'm now in a game of three thirds I think uh, if that's possible because uh, for the last six or seven years I've been full time in governance. Um, and uh, shout out to the ASB team. I'm about to take over being chairman of ASB shortly, so I'm sure they're looking forward to that enormously. They look slightly scared, but anyway. Um, the thing I'm most widely known for is uh, my work in rugby and cricket with the Rugby World Cup and uh, the Cricket World Cup, so back in 2011 and 2015. Um, and I started my time in sport as the Chief Financial Officer at New Zealand Rugby Union when I was 29. Um, so I was a young woman, uh, and uh, as Patty will know, at that time, male-dominated as the first woman in the executive team there. So I spent uh, my career, a good part of my career, working in very male-dominated uh, organisations and the leadership teams. I've lost count of the number of times I was um, taken for someone's secretary, uh, the men that reported to me were assumed to be my boss. All of those things have happened to me. I've been asked to get the coffee, I've been asked all sorts of things. Um, I've been called love, honey, and dear, um, and et cetera, et cetera. But the good thing is I was able to cope with that and get through and really get some great positives and benefits out of that experience. And the thing is, I think as well, and I was talking to Patty before about him and Jeremy and their upbringing and, um, and my own upbringing, and I think we're all a function of who brought us up and our family and our history and what our kind of youthful kind of time was like. And so I think this photo sums up um, how I was able to cope um, because I was born about 10 years after three older brothers. So um, growing up around um, older men was something that I was very familiar with, which has stood me in good stead if you um, look at my time in, in sort of rugby and cricket. Um, it's been sort of an ongoing theme and I still to this day refuse to wear a tie. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been 
It's been interesting, but being absolutely phenomenal. What a privilege to be involved in some of those iconic moments, those iconic moments in New Zealand's history. Um, and this is obviously the day that we won the Rugby World Cup hosting rights in 2011. Um, it's the only day of my career that it felt absolutely appropriate to be intoxicated at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone that worked in New Zealand rugby was, um, and, but it was a very special day for the country. I'm just going to put this down, actually. I'll try to Okay, yeah, good, all right. Um, the other one is obvious, uh, you know, working on the Rugby World Cup from, I started in about 2004 through to 2011, so the minute Richie held up the trophy was the minute that the job was absolutely completed, so that was fantastic. And of course, um, actually the most special moment in my career was when Grant Elliott hit the six at Eden Park to win the Cricket World Cup in 2015, because it might not have happened actually. I mean, he had what, how many balls did he have left? I don't know, three balls to get six runs or something like that. Two balls to get five runs, I think it was. Jonathan's just changing my mind. Um, but yeah, he's my hero. So anyway, some really great experiences for me and that's just part of my kind of career as I've, as I've moved through. On to Air New Zealand. I'd like to talk to you about Air New Zealand a little bit and um, give you a bit of a feel for where we are. Now if you just go back, this is a graph that shows you um, some of the things in terms of Google searches that have occurred um, over COVID. So you've got sewing machines, webcams, uh, the New York governor, flour, or you could make that toilet paper because Kiwis are really into that, um, <laughs> pangolins. And if you look back, you wouldn't know what was coming at you if you actually looked and could see that graph. And for us, like some of you in some other parts of the tourism industry, it's looked like this. You know, we've been through crises before in the airline industry. You know, you've got SARS and GFC and 9-11 and all these things. But actually, look at COVID. I mean, it just, there's just bears no resemblance. We've been through crises, but we still haven't been through something like this. It's a game changer. It has absolutely devastated the business. We went down to 5% of our normal sales. We've parked wide-body planes and deserts. Uh, we've lost a third of our workforce it's been absolutely devastating. We had to find a way uh, in that early phase, the hazy part of that sort of early phase, to package this up, to find a way to take ourselves forward and to make sense of it. And Greg actually came up with this, which is Survive, Revive, Thrive. Now it's a very simple thing, but it actually really depicts where we were. Up until last Monday, we've been in Survive. And to, us, and to an extent we still are, but we, we technically moved into Revive. We announced it last Monday, the 19th. We said we're in Revive because the Tasman is open and that was always going to be kind of our flag bearer for Revive. During Survive, we lost a third of our workforce. That was heartbreaking, uh, horrific. Um, and, and I take the moment to pay tribute to all Air New Zealanders because the ones that left us and, uh, and, and have done so, done so with so much dignity, the ones that have stayed behind, it has not been easy either. Um, and the good news is, as we've moved into Revive, a number of those people have come back into the organisation and it's been so wonderful to see. And when you talk to the crew, talk to the pilots, everybody, the ground staff, everyone's got a spring in their step. You can feel Revive tangibly without the Tasman even being open, you can just feel it. So that's where we are right now. Thrive will probably happen when the international borders open 
fulsomely. That's when we sort of expect to be in that area. Uh, the Tasman has obviously had a huge impact. I was just saying to someone before, Tasman started off with an absolute bang. You know, and, and you know, I think the PM said it was like Love Actually, the movie, scenes from that. Whanau and Friends reunited, you know, very you know, emotional, amazing stuff. And we had this real surge of Friends and Whanau wanting to kind of reconnect. Um, it's tapered off a little bit. It'll come back. It's building for the school holidays um, for July and, and for travel up until there. And we're starting to see a little bit of business travel. So that will grow and that is part of this kind of revival. During the year, we've created, Greg and the team, um, endorsed by the board, have created a new strategy for Air New Zealand, which is a very, this is a very simplified version of it on the screen. I must say it's really hard, it's really hard and I was, I had a presentation uh, last night um, from Graham from Great South uh, and the board did as well about um, the future for Southland tourism and I thought it was very future looking and, f and forward focused. Really hard to come up with a new strategy while you're in the throes of survive, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, when Jan Dawson, the chair of our audit committee, starts using the word solvency, you know, it's 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 sort of like um, a slap of fresh air in the face, really. Um, so to actually focus on this has been difficult, I would have to say, but we've we've ploughed through it, and really at the heart of it is going to be a customer obsession, a care for our people and for our customers, um, and sustainability is going to under under you know uh, be the foundation plank for all of that, and we want to be one of the most digitally innovative airlines in the world. So it kind of summarises uh, where we are, our um, focus on monarchy or care. In terms of Invercargill, um, I just want to say a few things. Uh, firstly, um, we are at around, I said 93% last night, that slide says 94%, but you get the idea. The average in the country, it keeps moving around depending on the day and we've used different numbers, but let's say somewhere between 70 and 83% might be kind of the average over time. So you're definitely um, punching above your weight uh, for Invercargill in terms, of, um, in terms of the return in terms of that capacity. And there's actually more people on those planes, so there's more people coming in and out of Invercargill. And I think we all know that Stewart Island has really had... Uh, had a great um, showing of, of tourists coming in. So we're back to those services. We've still got the jet coming in. I think there's more room um, for that to kind of keep growing over time as we get the business traveller back. And, um, and so that will keep moving. I guess in terms of the other thing is, is pricing. We often talk about pricing in these forums. Uh, pricing is something that we've been looking at and we're continuing to look at. Um, I can say that pricing is, you know, um, a, a good, chunk, if not um, the majority of your airfares are uh, $150 or under. You always pay more when you're the late traveller, that's that's the way the pricing model works. However, we have recently brought down the top end so that the maximum possible fare that can be charged, we have actually brought that down. We haven't made a big song and dance about that, we've just done it. It's one of the pricing amendments that we're going to be making over time. So that's, that, that top fare uh, bucket has come down, um, just so you know. So it's all sort of adding together into a good picture for the go forward. Just like to um, pay tribute to the marketing campaign that I know so many people we've worked on, uh, Speechless in Southland. Um, it's going very well and I think, um, Ruben you might help me with the numbers, but I think the last campaign we did, and we've done a couple recently, um, we had something like a million hits or 
views to that page, it, it really generated a lot of interest. And so I think the joint marketing activities that we can do between ourselves um, is really uh, is really incredible. Um, we've had obviously the Kiora magazine. Um, I think you're on the front of the Kiora magazine at the moment, actually, um, or certainly Stuart Island is from memory. So um, I think all of that joint marketing activity is going extremely well. Um, so we're really happy with what's happening for us in Nipakagal. We're here to just sort of like cement those relationships. I think us all working together is going to be a better result than us working separately or individually or having different ideas. If we can have a shared vision and a shared view of what it's going to look like, then that's going to make things um, a little bit better. Um, I guess that's the point. We're all in this together and in New Zealand, uh, we don't treat each other differently. We're not. You know, we're not different people, we're all the same. We're, we're one country, we're one Aotearoa, we're all together. Um, and I, I, I'm finishing with this slide, which I think sums that up. And um, this is a slide of me with Hillary Clinton, um, who I had the pleasure of meeting at Parliament a few years ago. And um, I've met a lot of famous people, people like Paddy O'Brien. Um, I've met so many famous people, politicians, sports people in my career. I've never sent a photo home, never sent a photo home to my family and said, gosh, look at me hanging out with this cool person like Patty O'Brien. Um, but in fact, uh, I did this day because I was quite, I liked Hillary, I thought she was great. So I sent a photo to my sister who's a year younger than me. She lives in Tauranga, she's got four young children and she's a nurse. We live quite different lives. If someone gave her a microphone, she'd freak out and run away. Um, I sent her this photo and I said, um, guess what, Ginny, I met uh, Hillary Clinton today. And she sent me a text back and said, that's great, Therese. FYI, I got a kilo of mandarins on special today. <laughs> so she put me in my place. Um, she told me to just get off that bike and get down. Um, so, I mean, but I think that's what we like as Kiwis, it doesn't matter which part of New Zealand we're from, it doesn't matter who we are, we're all the same and we're all in it together. So um, that, uh, that brings us to a conclusion. I have no idea how long I've talked for, but I'm sure it's long enough. Um, what I'd like to do is see if there are any questions or comments, because what would be great is to have a bit of an interactive session and for my board members, uh, who are much more knowledgeable than I, to assist with the answering of those questions, um, particularly Jonathan, who's been so enthusiastic the whole time, and Dean, who I've just had the pleasure of meeting. Um, he'll be really into it, I imagine. Um, so can I just see if there are any questions or comments? We have a mic that may or may not be working. Um, anyone? Yes, right down the back. I'm sure you can yell out. Sounds like a, a question for Jan, um, who's the chair of the audit committee and all things financial. <laughs> and she's like head of marketing, yeah. <laughs>
overnight you go from 100% six to 5% um, cash comes a bit king. Um, and um, in order to ensure that survival of the airline, you do have to take some measures that we immediately popular with, with customers, and we've been trying to regain that ground. And I think we've done a reasonable job of it over the last um, immediate time. Thanks, Just the other thing to add is what we did find um, after COVID is we were sort of just leading with demand based on the demand that was coming and then Greg and the team made a decision, I think it was just after Christmas, actually, to lead with supply. So let's go out and, um, you know, offer what we used to offer and see if that will stimulate, especially corporate travel. And we did have a positive result with that. And we found when we were going in and offering um, a schedule and we ended up more responding. So, you know, we did that to We're going to keep the flexibility under review because I think in a post-COVID world, whenever that is, there will be different expectations and so that's something we need to keep contemplating. Mm. It was a very difficult time. Yes? Kia Um, it absolutely is, and there's, there's a few parts to that. I sort of leaned into that a little bit before around the fact that, um, you know, I was saying yesterday in Dunedin that uh, actually our average EFs, average EFs are almost the same um, as they were five years ago, which you can't say about many products. However, I understand the sensitivity around it. So there's a few things. I've just said that we've brought down the uh, maximum airfare quite substantially actually and um, and so that is something that's happened across the country to help with the late purchases. Most of the lead-in prices are actually fairly reasonable but it can add up if you have to take multiple sectors and so that is something that um, I'm a little bit constrained as a publicly listed company I'm sure you'll all understand about how much I can say on these types of things but I think it would be fair to say that pricing and I've said this in the media before the pricing our pricing strategy is something we are is under review and we're continuing to make some changes and so we've already made a couple we're not making a big song and dance about it but there will be more probably coming through um, and so I can't go into detail until we release those officially to market but I, but there is there is um, a lot being thought about in pricing because the issue is if you're going to take three sectors and and that's going to I, I understand your question and your point all I can probably assure you is that we are acutely aware of the point that you are making and do not want that to be an inhibitor to regional tourism. Yeah. And, and I must give a shout out to our Chief Executive Greg at this point because Greg has come in um, and he's in the media for many different things at different times, some good, some bad, but underneath all of that sort of hype, Greg has been from the moment we interviewed him to today absolutely focused on customer obsession. He hasn't had a good chance to showcase that yet, but that is what is, is at the top of his mind and pricing is a big part of that. So um, I think Greg brings that focus to the role, which is great. Mm, thank you. Yes, Sheree. I think 
I'll, I'll hand over to Dean for this one. Um, because he's, he's been in the business so long. Um, he'll knock this out of the park, I know. I think um, to Jan's point and, and Dean's point, Southland is a really great example where it's up four times on what it was pre-COVID in terms of the amount of produce that we're carrying out of the region. Um, I just wondered if Rob might want to make a few comments. He's been in Australia the whole time. Rob, what does it feel like to live in Australia versus New Zealand um, <laughs> during COVID? Uh, but it sounds very similar, actually. I think um, it's not about Australia and New Zealand. It's about what, what goes on beyond that. Many of you have uh, a family elsewhere in the world, and we have been so lucky. So, whilst it is a significant and immediate impact on our business, and I suffered it on uh, on Monday night, was flights being cancelled literally as um, as half of our passengers had already checked in. Um, we've been extraordinarily uh, lucky in the way we've managed COVID in Australia and New Zealand, and it's been, um, uh, I think, a bit of a lifesaver for the business. Um, because this is not happening in places like Europe. Um, how that's impacting demand, I think Dean is right on the button. It's playing that trade-off between the cost that you carry to have the capacity ready to go and the inevitable roller coaster that we will continue to be on because that's what's going to be for the next, uh, next few years. Um, we're, um, I think, even more uh, fortunate in New Zealand that we don't have a federal government. And I don't mean that in any way to reflect on the quality of the federal government, but effectively have a federal uh, government and state government and many, many, many local governments, I think there are 18 in Perth, um, makes it even more complex to manage this than, uh, than what we can have to do in, uh, in New Zealand. So um, for all of, the, all of the challenges that we faced, uh, I think New Zealand has done extremely well. Um, and it's going to get a lot better with Australia uh, opening up. Be a roller coaster. We've now got nine ports in uh, in Australia, which is yeah. um, for the first time in many uh, many years. Hobart, the first time in twenty, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and Australians are excited about it. 
uh, I was out the other day and they were all talking about coming skiing in New Zealand. So yeah. the challenge I think we have, and we talked about it last night, is how are we going to service um, the hordes of people that want to come across to New Zealand uh, and, um, and enjoy what we have to offer, be it skiing or otherwise. Um, that's going to be the challenge. But yeah, yeah. I think together we uh, are a lot closer than what we yeah, that's great. And I, I, I think um, one of the things we did when, uh, just before the bubble was opening, in uh, Australia's major papers, we took out one-page ads that just said, are you sick of Australians yet? Uh, which went down very well and it created a lot of conversation, so that's been great. Are there any other questions in the room? Yes. You gave a shout-out to the um, New Zealanders. Yes. It's a great question, and the answer, the short answer is lots, but it's never going to be enough, of course, because people's lives are are, are in the mix here. Um, but it's been we've been acutely aware of it. I'm going to ask Larissa to um, talk to this question for a moment. And out of COVID, we did find that we needed to have, you know, monarchy for those who were leaving, as well as those who stayed, because there was this bit of the survivor guilt. You know, they got to stay, but their peers didn't. So one thing that was really, really important, because when the restructure was going on, a lot of it was over Zoom and video conference, is when we were able to be with our staff, that we made space. Um, for people to come together. So we've got a number of wonderful networks within New Zealand, which a lot of staff do click into. And we just gave them the space. You know, some were taken away to women eye, some were taken away just for conference. And just that space to grieve, really, and let go and heal and talk into. You know, so tears were shared, um, excitement was shared for some. And in those spaces as well, those who had left were offered the opportunity to come back as well, because then that was a chance to say goodbye. And to Teresa's point, what we were hearing from a lot of people who had left is that, and I think because we had a great culture within the organisation, a lot of people were able to see it as an opportunity as well to step into education or to a role that they wanted to have. But more importantly, they wanted the people who were left behind to do well and to keep flying the flag, you know, because all of our staff have this great, and I think it's a bit like in New Zealand, this great connection that every once in a year, an Air New Zealander, always an Air New Zealander. So um, that was sort of the first step. And then once you'd been given that space for people to um, you'd grieve, heal, then it was, we've got a number of new strategies under Nikki Dine, our new um, HR director, for what does that look like now in terms of culture and continue support. Um, and continuing to make sure people take time out, they're supporting each other um, and going forward. So it's an ongoing journey, um, but there's a lot of a lot of great things there. And I think the, the culture that was there and the aroha that everyone had for each other anyway has become the biggest support network. It has helped under Dame Trace. We went out, we were quite active as a board um, and have gone into these networks and have gone throughout the organisation. We know that means a lot to staff means so, so much. I, um, it's important that our leadership are seen within the organisation and are, they're listening as well. So great question. Um, and our staff are at the centre of our care strategy. So really, really important. Thank you. Thanks. And the only thing I'd like to add to what Larissa has said is that in terms of those people that left us during COVID, um, it was obviously incredibly difficult to work with a number of people over Zoom. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, it's just it's just so difficult. Um, but uh, we put in place, there are literally, if I did a PowerPoint presentation, pages and pages and pages of support that we provided in, in, in practical and serious ways for those people. But there's nothing to take away from the fact that what has happened to Air New Zealand has been heartbreaking. Yeah. Any yeah, other just add to, just add oh, to that, yep. the safety of the airline hasn't changed, in fact, to the contrary. Mm. But it's recognising that there are other things that are playing on people's minds and ensuring <coughs> that we have the right um, checks and balances in place to make sure that the safety of the airline, so the operational safety, the pilots, the training of the pilots, the maintenance and so on, is all still at that high level that we're used to. So there's been a huge focus on that. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yes. Good morning, Teresa. My name is Emma. I'm also with Great South. So in Asia Pacific, um, you guys have some really good relationships with um, Singapore Airlines and also United. So what is your plan in long term, I suppose, um, you know, to make sure we maintain our market share in those long haul markets and also support those partners in the long term? Yep. Great question. Thank you. Linda, should I throw to you for that one as our international woman of mystery? Uh, obviously those relationships are on hold right now, but um, you know, a key part of you know, our focus over the last 10 years has been building what we consider a world-class set of alliances. And uh, we collaborate and continue to collaborate you know, uh, with, with all of them. And so it is, um, in terms of the new strategy that Therese talked about, um, a critical part of that is continuing to leverage those partners in multiple ways. Um, and so we're very close to them uh, with uh, the, uh, Captain David Morgan, his uh, lead chairs, one of the IATA committees. So we don't see um, any difference there, and I think it comes back to Ben's point in that, you know, we've just got to be ready to go. And often in times of crisis, you know, what we've seen the Tasman so far is it's primarily Qantas in New Zealand, we haven't seen Virgin there. So it could, could work to our advantage, but we really don't know. It's going to be a new world when international um, gears up. And as you know, we've been planning New York and other long-range flights, and we still see that as a critical part of our strategy in terms of bringing um, uh, passengers and customers to New Zealand. And we're still dedicated to that in terms of those sorts of aircraft. So, um, you know, it's still a key part of what we're doing. Good question though, we, none of us know how the competition is going to shake out. There are airlines that have gone under, there are airlines that have changed or scaled back, there are airlines that will be more aggressive because they have capacity to burn. So we don't know what the competitive uh, sort of landscape is going to look like for Air New Zealand and we need to be ready and flexible and we need to have great partnerships. Um, one of the great things, because the US and Asia are our two key long long haul destinations, one of the great things with Greg um, who had such a prominent role in the US and has Barack Obama in his, you know, um, speed dial. Um, he uh, he knows the CEO of United Airlines, our key partner there. They actually had a relationship pre him coming to New Zealand. So all of that has been extremely helpful um, in terms of the relationship um, part. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's all of those things. In fact, you've got a good grasp on it, so we, we might offer you a job. Um, but absolutely, it's all of those things. But I think within the strategy, the digital part of the strategy is still 
being worked through. Um, everything's changing right now. We're going to see biometrics. We're going to see you walk into an airport one day and you know use your eyes and etc. just as you would with other types of technology at the moment. We're going to see a lot of that coming through. We're going to see the health passport. But basically from an Air New Zealand perspective, we want that customer journey from when you even think about going somewhere right through to when you get home that that, that is digitally enhanced that it's it's leading edge it's customer oriented it's to make your life easier so we are putting a lot of investment into that and a lot of thinking into that but the key parts of the strategy are still yet to emerge um, but it is something that we're just in the market for a new chief digital officer at the moment to lead that strategy and um, but we have no doubt that it is critically important to our success and to be competitive. In fact, without it, because everyone else is getting ready. On terms of the other types of aircraft, I think New Zealand has an advantage. We are geographically, um, sort of the, the way that we are, uh, our geographical profile means that we are a really brilliant testing ground for some of those new types of aircraft that are gonna come through. We've got MOUs with all the main, um, the main uh, aircraft uh, producers but we also have um, relationships with some of the new technology coming through and some of those sort of startup areas so we're keeping our fingers in all the pies and um, I think you'll see a lot of testing happening here in New Zealand in terms of uh, particularly regionals if you think of some of our regional flights it makes utter sense um, so we we're, we're really focused on that for the future mm. is there anyone else yep that's okay. That's all good. I just wanted to um, let the board know, um, and my role looking after tourism for the region, um, we've had the privilege of working alongside New Staff. Yes. And you talked about well-being. Um, mm. Look, I couldn't like, say more about how professional and how supportive they were of us, mm. because we were all sort of on the front line. We've got about 13,500 businesses in the region, mm. and you couldn't prepare for COVID. So Wayne, Ruben, the Andy marketing team mm. have been Thank you so much. That, that is actually so heartwarming because I know the, the, the lengths that, that people like Ruben and Dwayne go to. Um, uh, I might even promote them when we leave here, but it, it's, it's just, I think that's the thing about Air New Zealand in crisis is that even when people have been struggling, they've, they've been more focused on the people outside. and. And, um, and that has been, it's part of the culture, it's part of the monarchy and it's part of what makes New Zealand special and it's part of what makes the relationships with, with people like yourself special and um, so all I can say is thank you and, and let's keep up the good work. Um, in the interest of time what I might do is just finish with um, a little hype reel. So we've seen a lot of growth in tourism products, you know, it just sort of happening organically. And what we got to do is to say, right, you know, what does this look like in two years, five years, 10 years? And what that did, it created a picture of what the growth and the potential could be. And so we said, right, what are the game changers or what are the enablers that will help us all achieve the different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle? And the, the direct flight or connectivity um, was probably, you know, one of the biggest things. So um, with that shared vision and um, shared approach, we all said, right, let's work together um, in New Zealand. We're a 
amazing, you know, able to partner with us and enable us to, to basically achieve what we wanted to. We identified our story and our proposition, the Southland proposition. We built our confidence in what we wanted to do and, and how we could sell Southland. And I think then it became much easier. Air New Zealand would bring, bring the planes. We had to turn around and show that we could make things happen. And that's what over the last five years, Southland has done. They've taken on the challenge and they've realised they've got to grow tourism, they've got to grow business. Um, the people's attitude has got to move forward. Part of the approach that New Zealand has, I think, is to actually partner with regions. And I really admired that because they come in and they tried to understand where we were as a community. And again, trying to see where we wanted to be and go. And then they sort of looked at how they could fit with that. I think probably the biggest thing is making sure that you've got, you've got a good story. You've got the vision of where you want to go. Get everybody on board and get them going with you right up front. I mean, we're not trying to compete with Queenstown on Senate View, it's not what we have to offer. We've got something else to offer they haven't got, which is obviously machine paradise, very easy place to get around, uh, well priced, great access to Stewart Island, and the key thing for us is the access perhaps to, to Fiumla. A good example of the marketing. Um, I think probably you all need to go and get on with your lives, um, and I need to let you go, but I would like to give this away. I'm really not sure who to give it to. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. If there's anything you want to add or any questions you want to ask, please do just get in contact. Otherwise, I'll talk to you again soon.